the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. With a cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church, with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, an expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell. Tonight, we will bring you part two in our series entitled, Jesus is the theme of the entire 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. So buckle up, strap in, and get ready to go on a biblical jet tour of Jesus being the theme of the 66 books of the Bible. So stay tuned, for we are not pretending you know we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, awesome introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry O. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by the program tonight. And as Brother Gary said, uh, Jesus is the central theme that runs throughout the entire Bible. The tapestry throughout the scriptures, Jesus is seen in the 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament. And uh, in John 5 and 39, Jesus said, to search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify notice of me. And then Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. So you got to Go through Jesus to get to everything else, especially even the Father. So let's review some of these uh, themes throughout the Old Testament, and we hope to get to the New Testament. If not uh, tonight, we will start that next week. But let's get into these themes. In Genesis, Jesus is the creator God and the seed of the woman. In Exodus... Jesus is the Redeemer God, and he redeems his people. In Leviticus, Jesus, he is our sanctification. In Numbers, Jesus, he is your guide, and he guideth the people, the children of Israel, uh, by day and night. In Deuteronomy, Jesus, he is your teacher, and he was the true teacher of the law. In Joshua... Jesus, he is the almighty conqueror, not just the mighty conqueror, but the almighty conqueror. In uh, Judges, uh, Jesus, he gives victory over the enemies. In Ruth, Jesus, he is the king's man or the kinsman or lover and your redeemer. In 1 Samuel, Jesus, he is the root of Jesse. In 2 Samuel, Jesus, he is the son of David. In 1 Kings and 2 Kings, 
Jesus, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In First and Second Chronicles, Jesus, he is the intercessor and high priest before God. In Ezra, Jesus, he is your temple, your house of worship. In Nehemiah, Jesus, he is the mighty wall protecting you from your enemies. In Esther, Jesus, he stands in the gap to deliver you from your enemies, and he will make your enemies your footstool. In Job, Jesus, he is our days man or mediator who not only understands your struggles, but he has the power to do something about them. In Psalms, Jesus, he is your song and your reason to sing. In Proverbs, Jesus, he is your wisdom, helping you to make godly sense of life and to live a successful life. In Ecclesiastes, Jesus, he is your real purpose, delivering you from vanity in this world. In the Song of Solomon, Jesus, he is your lover, the Rose of Sharon. In Isaiah, Jesus, he is the mighty counselor, the almighty God, the Prince of Peace, and the everlasting Father, and more. In short, he is everything you need. In Jeremiah, Jesus, he is a God of judgment and restoration in our lives. In Lamentations, Jesus, he is the everlasting or ever-faithful one upon whom you can depend. In Ezekiel, Jesus, he is your will in the middle of the will and the one who assures that dry, dead bones will come alive again. In Daniel, Jesus, he is the Ancient of Days, the everlasting God who never runs out of time. Glory, hallelujah to that. In Hosea, Jesus, he is your faithful lover, always beckoning you to come back to him. Even when you have abandoned him, he never abandons you. In Joel, Jesus, he is your refuge, keeping you safe in times of trouble. In Amos, Jesus, he is the one who can you can depend upon to stay by your side no matter what you're going through, and he is also the God of justice in the face of injustices. In Obadiah, Jesus, he is the Lord of the kingdom. In Jonah, Jesus, he is your salvation, bringing you back within his will. In Micah, Jesus, he is the judge of the nations or nation. In Nahum, Jesus, he is the jealous God. In Habakkuk, Jesus, he is the Holy One. In Zephaniah, Jesus, he is the true witness. In Haggai, Jesus, he is the one who overthrows the enemies. In Zechariah, Jesus, he is the Lord of hosts. And in the last book of the Old Testament, in Malachi, Jesus, he is the messenger of God. This is all the themes of Jesus in the Old Testament. He is the theme of the entire Bible. Now, let's look at the themes in the New Testament regarding Jesus Christ. 
who he is in terms of being a theme in the New Testament. In Matthew, Jesus, he is the king of the Jews. In Mark, Jesus, he is the servant. In Luke, Jesus, he is the son of man, filling your need. In John, Jesus, he is God and the son of God in human form. In the book of Acts, Jesus, he is the Christ in action through the Holy Spirit and the Savior of the world. In Romans, Jesus, he is the righteous God who makes us all righteous. In 1 Corinthians, Jesus, he is the rock that Israel followed, and he is the rock by which we can follow too. In 2 Corinthians, Jesus, he is the triumphant one giving us victory. In Galatians, Jesus, he is your liberty. He is the one that makes you free. In Ephesians, Jesus, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, Jesus, he is your joy and the guarding peace that gives all understanding. In Colossians, Jesus, he is your completeness. In 1 Thessalonians, Jesus, he is your hope. In 2 Thessalonians, Jesus, he is your glory. In 1 Timothy, Jesus, he is your faith. In 2 Timothy, Jesus, he is your stability. In Titus, Jesus, he is your truth. In Philemon, Jesus, he is the benefactor. In Hebrews, Jesus is the supreme one. He is the perfected one. In James, Jesus, he is the power behind your faith. In 1 Peter, Jesus, he is your example to follow. In 2 Peter, Jesus, he is your purity. In 1 John, Jesus, he is your life. In 2 John, Jesus, he is your pattern of love in truth. In 3 John, Jesus, he is your motivation in love, truth, and in the walk of life. In Jude, Jesus, he is the foundation of your faith. And in the last book of the Bible, Jesus, in the 27th book of the New Testament, in Revelation, Jesus is your coming King of King and Lord of Lords. He's coming back to judge this world in righteousness. Jesus is the theme throughout the entire Bible. And if you don't know him tonight, you better come to know him because you cannot get to the Father unless you come through Jesus Christ. He is not only the theme of the entire Bible, but he is God manifested in the flesh. That's why in the Gospel of John, over 23 times, he mentions the word, I am. Somebody says, well, do I have to believe that he is God in order to be saved? Yes, you will eventually acknowledge that. And Jesus said in John 8 and 24, if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. Why did he mention egoi me? I am he. Because you must believe that he is God. He's not just a prophet and priest. He's God. He spoke and the universe came into existence. He is the first uncaused cause of everything. He is the one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw it nowhere, and it became a cosmos. 
You have to come to grips with this theme of the entire Bible. Jesus is everywhere. Even in the Old Testament, he spoke out of the burning bush. That was none other than Jesus, known in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. He was all over the place in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, he came and cloaked himself in soma, flesh. That's why John says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to this world in flesh, but prior to that, he was known as the angel of the Lord, and he is the theme from Genesis to Revelation. And he's the one that will judge you when you stand before him one day. All judgment the Father has given to Jesus because he is truly God and truly man. He understands your madness and he understands your problems because he went through problems too. But he was without sin because he is the perfect Lamb of God, God in human form. And we thank God for this message and this theme throughout the entire Bible. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is everywhere. That's why he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, because he's the theme of Genesis and the theme of Revelation. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. Well, Dr. Buckner, once again, a wonderful and exciting message. But it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And once again, we want to begin by thanking everyone who's been praying for Contending for the Faith. We can't make it without your prayers. This is a prayer-driven ministry. It is so vital that you continue to hold us up in prayer that, that we would be able to do what God has called us to do. And also, we want to thank those who partnered with us financially over the last week. It is a uh, ministry. This ministry is is listener supported, and it is so vital that you continue to not only support us with your prayers, but also support us financially, so that we can continue to do once again what God has called us to do. We want to thank Richard and Carol, Zakia, Cr, Charles, James, Diane, and Ronald, and once again Byron, who stepped up to the plate and hit a home run. It does cost us four hundred a week to stay on the air, so. We just want to encourage you to continue to pray, and as God has blessed you, continue to give so that we can continue to make a difference in time and eternity. There are two ways you can donate. The first, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553. Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much simpler. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org and hit the donate button. It's contendingfaith.org. And you can make a difference with the click of a mouse button. So we want to encourage you 
to continue to pray. We want to encourage you as God has blessed you to continue to give to support this ministry and you will be blessing many for time and eternity. Uh, Last week, Dr. Buckner, we had a prayer request that I wasn't able to get to because I had one of those senior moments. (laughs) We all go through that. (laughs) And so before social security hits me, I want to make sure that we do get this prayer request in uh, right away. Um, And I want to apologize to the family for not doing it last week. But we want to hold up Anthony Stewart and his wife, Naomi. Anthony had a serious, serious accident right before the 4th of July. He was seriously burned. And the family is requesting prayer. And, you know, we are big believers in the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous, availing much. And so we want to take this to, to prayer right now. Lord, we just thank you for your tender mercies upon our lives. And, Lord, in the midst of this very tragic accident, Lord God, we can call upon your name for healing for Anthony, that you would touch him from the crown of his head to the bottom of his soul, that you bring healing, life, restoration, and wholeness, Lord God. You are the great physician, and you've never lost a case. So we just commit him into your hands, Lord God, that he would be restored fully. We pray for his wife and the rest of the family, Lord God, that you would give them peace, your perfect peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard their hearts and their minds through Christ Jesus. And Lord God, we will be careful to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary, for that wonderful prayer. And uh, we want to thank you for the announcements as well. And uh, this has been a tough uh, summer month for a lot of ministries because people are doing so many things in the summer, vacationing, everything else like that. And we want to really encourage people to continue to support us. It's 400 a week. And uh, even if you can give just a little bit, we uh, have a faithful giver to the ministry. Do you not know uh, once a month or twice a month, he sends uh, $2, wraps it up in a napkin, and sends $2. God is shining upon that because he's making an effort. You say, well, I don't hardly have any money. I know you at least have $2, amen, or a dollar. Even if you send 50 cents, it's making an effort. And I thank God for people like that that make an effort. I want to say something before we get to the callers quickly. Uh, for those who may not know this, but at the AT&T Park uh, tonight, uh, Joel Osteen is there speaking, and over 50,000 people are coming to hear him speak. Um the people that are going to hear him speak, sad to say, are biblically illiterate when it comes to theology and the Word of God. Because if they knew their Bibles and they knew what Joel Osteen teaches, they wouldn't be packing that uh, park the way they're going to be doing tonight. Let me just say a few things about uh, Joel Osteen. You know, first and foremost, you know, uh, he's a motivational speaker. He hardly ever uses his Bible and uh, talks about uh, Jesus, uh, the Jesus of the Bible. And uh, he motivates people, and he twists up faith and says that faith is like Star Wars. It's a force, and faith is a force, and words are the container of the force, and through the force of faith, you can create your own reality. And so he puts his faith on the throne to dictate everything rather than the sovereign will of God. That's a grave sin. And then also he 
the word faith teaches, which he falls under, says that Jesus was literally created, uh, that at one time he didn't exist, but uh, God the Father spoke, and what happened was that uh, bones started forming and then skin started forming, and Jesus came about through the force of faith and words. Uh, the most damnable teaching that he teaches and uh, Joyce Myers is the atonement of Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to this in my book, The Essentials of the Historic Christian Faith, which I encourage people to get. Um, this is what uh, he he says. Now, let me just say this first of all. In John 19 and 30, Jesus said, it is finished, and the Greek word is tetelestai, which means complete and the debt has been paid in full with no exceptions. Word faith teachers like Joel Osteen and Joyce Myers and many other teach that Jesus didn't finish or complete the plan of salvation on the cross. They teach that at the cross, Jesus had a transformation from divine to demonic and that he had to die and go to hell and be born. Notice that, to be born again in order to complete the plan of salvation. These word faith teachers deny the efficiency and sufficiency of Christ's finished work and atonement on the cross. Joel Osteen goes even a step further. Now listen to this now. Even, he says, quote, even Christ's victory in hell was insufficient at, to atone for our sins. After the resurrection, there still, notice he says, there still had to be a blood sacrifice for our sins. There still had to be a price paid. That is why Jesus presented his own blood in the high court of heaven as a sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. This is page 37 in the Ostinification of American Christianity by Hank Hanegraaff. And uh, I mentioned some other things about the Roman Catholic Church and purgatory and some other things. But um, it's biblical illiteracy and people who are not taught doctrine, these D's, the lineup of these D's, when they're ignorant towards doctrine, which is learning about the essentials, who God is, Jesus, and on and on, then they lose out on the second D, which is discipleship, because they haven't been discipled in understanding the first D, which is doctrine. And then when your doctrine is not right, then your discipleship is not right. And when your discipleship is not right, your doctrine is not right. And then what follows is no sense of the third D, discernment. No sense of discernment whatsoever, and no sense of the last D is discipline. I kind of like put this together in an article for all the pastors in the Bay Area laying out all these Ds when they had the pastor's breakfast uh, for KFAX. But um, Hosea says it so right in Hosea 4 and 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and because they have rejected knowledge, God says he will reject them. We're living in a day and age, and I'm going to say this and I'm done. We'll get to our callers. We're living in a day and age by which what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and the truth of God shall be made into mythology. We're living in that day and age now, and you can keep rejecting the truth of God, and you can get to the place where the Apostle Paul says on the leadership of the Holy Spirit in Second Thessalonians chapter uh, 2 
that God will send strong delusions that you will believe a lie than the truth. There's a lot of people believing that this is true. There's a guy that came to our church, and he heard me teaching on the Trinity in our church. And I mentioned Joel Osteen, and he got furious over that and uh, walked out of the church afterwards and uh, told my daughter, you know what, Uh, I want nothing to do with that church because the pastor was talking about Joel Osteen. He's so ignorant of the Bible as well as Joel Osteen, and, uh, and, and then he had the audacity to go to my daughter's job and invite her to this event tonight, even though I said he's a false teacher. People can get to the point where God sends strong delusions that they will believe a lie than the truth. May we not fall in that category nor become reprobate. That's a scary state to be in. Brother Gary, let's get to our callers. All right. <clears throat> We're going to line one with CC. He's been waiting patiently. Are you there, CC? Yes, I am. All right. How are you tonight? I'm all right. How you guys doing? Uh, we are truly blessed and highly favored in the Lord. God is good and worthy to be praised. We trust that you got blessed by the teaching tonight. I got blessed. I got blessed in a, in a number of number of ways, and I I try to keep it short because there's a few things I want to say. Um, I really appreciate how you um, pointed everything to Jesus because um, I believe I don't I don't care what discipline of theology you're studying, whether it's eschatology or ecclesiology or angelology or demonology. If you're studying all those disciplines and not looking to Christ, then you've missed the whole picture, and that's what I. Um, I commend you for it by the grace of God, because he is in the value of the book, and the scriptures point to him, and he is the wisdom of that book. And so I appreciate that, because a lot of people don't point that out. And now I'll say this, too. Um, I, I really appreciate the time you took in uh, just now explaining about Joel Osteen. I was talking to a friend about this earlier, and so many people are deceived by him. You know, as I said, a simple believer, very word, but the prudent man looks well to his going, and so many people are deceived by him. And... Um, I totally agree with you, and I just think if people would read their Bibles and have spiritual bifocals with the Spirit of God uh, helping them, they would be able to see these things. That that they just, I believe, they take face value what's said rather than searching the scriptures like the Bereans did. The, even when Paul came and preached, the Bereans went and searched the scriptures to see whether what he said lined up even though they received that. And so I think that's the problem. And I really appreciate you saying that because so many people look up to this man, Joel Osteen, and um, I don't look up to him, and um, he needs help. And that that place where all those people are packed out at, um, they're coming to hear someone who is going to cater to their needs rather than tell them the truth. And I, I commend you for doing that tonight. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that and your uh, feedback. It's uh, right on target. And, you know, uh, I think it was Solomon who once said, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And a lot of people are going on that way of death, uh, unfortunately, to say. Uh, And uh, what's on your heart tonight? Um, I want to say thank you again. Thank you. I really, well, re- really appreciate you. And yeah. I know a lot of people out there does too. And um, but I'm in Job 38, um, verse two. Okay. And why don't you read that? Okay. It says, "Who is this that darkened counsel by words without knowledge?" You can't do a little bit of exegesis on that. Uh huh. Give me interpretation. Yes. Yes. Well, this is a good uh, passage of scripture. You know. Uh, God has, uh, you know, uh, is speaking to Job because, uh, you know, he's been leaning to his own understanding, 
after going through so much and uh, been questioning God over and over, and then God gets to a place where he's now examining him, uh, self-examining him, cross-examining him. And he literally uh, tells him uh, in this passage of Scripture, who is this who, is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge. He's literally telling him that because you have a dark understanding of the light, because he is the light, you know, and there's no darkness in Jesus, no darkness in God, because he's leaning to his feelings, that his feelings has caused his counsel to be darkened, and his words, because through his words as well, and it uh, has made him empty through uh, knowing the knowledge of God. This is so true with people today uh, when they put psychology, sociology, anthropology, and uh, all these other things, and science, and all these things before God. And uh, rather than putting God first, their counsel becomes darkened, and they don't have the insight into the truth, and they start to get into evolution and sorts, all sorts of things like that. So he's literally just telling them that uh, your counsel is darkened because uh, you're not seeking the light of wisdom. And uh, we're going to go to a commercial, and then we come back, we'll get your prayer request. Hopefully that helps you out. Thank you. All right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Apollo Jedi Master, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, though, <laughs> in the Lord. Uh, again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith and all of you this week who have stepped up to the plate to hit a home run for us financially, that would include uh, <clears throat> Richard and Carol, Zakia, CR, Charles, James, Diane, Ronald, and especially Byron. We just can't thank you enough. It costs us 400 a week to stay on the air, and this is a listener-supported ministry, and without your support, a lot of people would not be able to listen to anything. And so it's so important, especially during the summer months, as Dr. Buckner mentioned earlier, that people take a vacation, but please don't take a vacation from your giving. Um, we want to make sure that we are still around and uh, are doing the work that God has called us to do. We can't do that without your help. can't do it without your prayers. The easiest thing for you to do is to donate two ways. You can send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Or you can go online to contendingfaith.org and hit the donate button, and it's that simple. All right, we were on the phone with CC. Are you still there? Thank you. Uh, what's your prayer request tonight? Um, if you can, just just pray pray for me. Um, I know I got some kind of lump in my ear. I don't know what it is, infection. But again, pray for that and pray for my health and overall. And however else you guys feel to pray for me, I'll pray once again for my mother, my father, and uh, my family, especially their protection. And then I want to lift up a couple celebrities: uh, the actor Will Smith, rapper, and the rapper. Um, LL Cool J, and uh, the rapper from the Bay Area, Spice One. I want to pray for him, especially for a hedge of protection around Spice One. Amen. Well, we'll do that, and we'll 
pray around those prayer requests, and we can have Brother Gary to do that. All right. Lord God, we just thank you once again for Brother CC. We pray you continue to bless him with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your word. We also pray for his health, Lord God, that you would touch whatever situation is going on with his ear, Lord God, and just touch his body, Lord God, from the crown of his head to the bottom of his soul. And also, Lord God, help him to have peace in his heart and in his spirit, Lord God, that he would not be stressed out by life's circumstances, but, Lord God, that you would give him faith to be able to cast his cares upon you because you care for him. Lord God, we lift up his family, his mother, Rosalinda. We pray for the celebrities, Will Smith, LL Cool J, and this local rapper, Spice One, that, Lord God, you can penetrate their hearts and touch their lives just like you do anyone else. And, Lord God, we'll be careful to thank you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Cece, so much for your call and your questions as well. Thank you very much, Paul. God bless you. God bless you, too. Bye. Thank you. All right. Our next caller, Jermaine, is online. Jermaine, thank you for holding. How are you tonight? Brother Jermaine, are you there? Maybe. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Oh, good, good. Well, we appreciate your call. And uh, what's on your heart tonight? Oh, first of all, let me just uh, say... Uh, did you get a chance to hear the message tonight? Yeah, I did, and uh, I enjoyed it very much, uh, especially, I, I guess it wasn't necessarily the, the model, but I, I appreciate the uh, the warning you put out on Joel Osteen, because I, I almost found myself going just out of curiosity to observe, but I was thinking, hey, you know, why waste the money there when I can, you know, donate and, and take care of some uh, more charitable people in the Christian community, so I'm glad I did not go. Amen. And the Bible says in Amos 3 and 3, how can two walk together unless they agree in what fellowship has light and darkness? So you made the right decision, and God will honor you uh, for that. So we appreciate uh, those uh, words of encouragement for not only us, but others as well who's listening. And uh, what's on your heart tonight? Well, I just wanted to revisit that topic I brought up last week uh, in a more stable environment, but uh, Genesis 9. 22 about uh, uh, you know him seeing uh, the nakedness of his father, and I guess the question I have was, what exactly would you say is is uh, nakedness? Like, what what is uncovering nakedness? Well, the uh, it would be just like the text is saying uh, to uncover one's nakedness would be to uh, take their clothes off because it was a law. Uh, in Leviticus 18, uh, it speaks about this in terms of uh, the nakedness of people and uncovering them. It was a sin to do that in God's eyes, still that way today, uh, for people to take advantage of other people in this sense. Um, and the text here actually uh, precludes uh, the possibility that uh, that uh, Noah himself probably might have took his clothes off uh, because uh, that's a possibility in the sense that he was not in his right mind um, and uh, in terms of of uh, being around the, the wine and drinking the wine. And then uh, on top of that, it was very hot in those areas. So uh, some scholars believe that there's a possibility that he – uh, took off his clothes and and rather than him uh, covering him immediately, he really exposed his nakedness. And the scripture says to not do that. So apparently his thought was not right, and he was ex- uh, thinking, well, maybe 
you know, this has reduced our father's dignity uh, and made him look uh, bad around his dignity and authority. And then he thought that maybe if I bring the brothers in, uh, Shem and Japheth, maybe they will participate in my uh, foolish thinking and stuff like that. And yet they came in and immediately Shem uh, covered him up, which Ham should have done. So uh, Ham had a wrong thought in his mind uh, looking at his father and seeing him in that state and should have immediately covered him up, you know, but he didn't do that. And he, I think he was playing a joke on him and going to the brothers and saying, let's play a, a deeper joke on him. But his brothers didn't fall for that. They didn't fall for the joke thing. So, uh, so uh, that's what it's saying. It's just specifically talking about a person who has their clothes off and when a person uh, sees a father's clothes off, they in that day, God wanted you to cover them because he didn't want them to be exposed like that. And that's uh, uncovering the nakedness of the father. Okay, and uh, yeah, I did do some more research, and uh, you know, I, I agree with what you said as far as uncovering nakedness. It, it wasn't just sexual activity necessarily incest because, uh, you know, just in 23, it says Shem and Japheth, you know, put the garment on, walk backward, so they wouldn't see the naked there, but that doesn't describe any sexual activity. So I just uh, thank you for your sound teaching once again. Well, let me just add to that, too, that that, that there is no uh, support, a reasonable support, for uh, the notion that there was any perverse sexual activity going on at all, because if it was... Uh, this text would have stated that, but the fact that they were embarrassed, they were really embarrassed to even see their father that way and went backwards, this shows that they weren't into it. And then Ham uh, immediately looked at him with a wrong thought of his uh, humiliating him, but there was no sexual incest or perversion in that at all. One would have to eisegete the text in order to bring it into that. Yes, yeah, so very good question, and we always appreciate your questions that you, you always have. We appreciate that. And, Gary, you want to add anything to this? <clears throat> yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, when you look at the context, it, it, the Bible is always very clear about what it states, particularly in the area of, of sexual immorality. It, they, God is very, very clear. Um, anytime, you know, in Genesis where it talked about <clears throat> Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels said, we want to have sex with these men, bring them out. I mean, it's very clear. Um, in this passage, there's no indication whatsoever. And the, as Dr. Buckner, Buckner mentioned, the context is is them walking in backwards. It's you know, there's nothing there that would indicate uh, sexual activity. Even though you you know, in in Leviticus, it uses similar words, um, uncovering nakedness and so forth. But other translations actually say in Leviticus, sexual uh, activity or sexual relationships. You know, it's just King James is a little fuzzy there, but uh, when you when you again study it, that passage is very specific about sexual activity. This one is is no sure. indication. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary, and thank you, Jermaine, for your good uh, question. And uh, we always appreciate you. And uh, this is uh, I mentioned something earlier about my book, my new book on the essentials of the historic Christian faith. It's a small book, just like the one I did on the Trinity. And uh, contact us, and we'll work it out where we can get you a copy. I think you'll be blessed by that. All right, I'll do that. I appreciate you guys. God bless you. All right, God bless you too. Amen. What a program. All right. What a program, uh, Gary. And 
I'm going to give you an opportunity. It look like the, we don't have any more callers right now, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to share what how this uh, minister to you tonight and uh, listening about the themes of Jesus, that he is a theme from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, how has this ministered to you? And have you ever heard any teaching like this on the themes throughout, just uh, covering people will say certain portions of Scripture, but from Genesis to Revelation? Let's get some feedback from you on this. Well, I've never seen it done from uh, beginning to end like, like you did tonight. And so <clears throat> that's really important. I think the listening audience, hopefully they were feverishly writing things down, and I know that you'll give them opportunity again to, to receive this and also listen at the end of the broadcast if you want to get the, the CD. Uh, we can provide that for you if you, if you missed any of it. Um, but it's so important, and I think that, you know, we talked a lot about um, Joel Osteen and being able to understand Scripture and at the heart of everything in Scripture is Jesus Christ. You know, Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus is, is the, from A to Z, is, is the focus of Scripture. There is no way around it. And to be able to see that and have it demonstrated in this way, um, I think adds so much more richness and clarity to a person's study of Scripture. So when they have these, these written down and they're going to Genesis and they have this, this uh, footnote that he's the creator God, now they read, the, read Genesis with that in mind as they, as they read. They're thinking about Jesus in that fashion. And, the so, and so on and so forth throughout the, the other books of the Bible, they, they can now see Jesus in all of it, whereas before, maybe, maybe not so much. You know, and it's so important as they um, grow in the word, that they have these opportunities to study the word in that light. You know, one of the things I really appreciated um, when you and I first met some 30 years ago, I was a new believer and, and you discipled me in so many different ways. But one of the key things that I felt was important to my development was to be discipled in an apologetic fashion. So as you begin to learn scripture, <clears throat> you're learning scriptures that are going to allow you to defend the faith. You're learning scriptures with a purpose in mind. Sometimes, I mean, it's good to memorize, don't get me wrong. It's good to make sure you're hiding God's word in your heart, as the psalmist said, that we might not sin against you. But when you have a purpose behind what you're doing, it drives things a little differently. Mm-hmm. It helps you focus on what you're doing. And so as you learn certain verses that deal with apologetic uh, thought, um, you're thinking defending the faith, you're thinking giving reasons and answers, you're thinking a little bit differently, and it, and it uh, helps focus you better. So I think you know, having, having this helps people focus a little bit more on Jesus, helps them focus uh, thematically on, on God's Word. Amen. So well said, Brother Gary. Thank you so much for that uh, input and encouraging words and i know people who heard you tonight got blessed by it and and it's so true with apologetics and uh, all of the listening audience out there need to understand that 
apologetics is not an option. It is a command. And First uh, Peter 3 and 15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you, a reasonable hope that's in you with meekness and fear. It is a command of God, and we need to learn it. We need to understand it. We need to apply it. We need to be discipled in that area. And um, Walter Martin once said, uh, my mentor, that evangelism, apologetics rather, is the handmaiden of evangelism. You know, you cannot be effective in the area of evangelism unless you have a working knowledge of apologetics. And let me just say a few things again about uh, Joel Osteen. Uh, People uh, base truth upon emotions and feelings rather than truth. That's what's getting a lot of us in trouble. And we think because these churches are growing and they're mega and people are filling it up uh, by the billions and, uh, you know, and so forth, that they base truth upon feelings and emotions. And a lot of people are going to go to hell based upon that. Uh, matter of fact, I was doing a teaching uh, on the Bible study just uh, last, this last Wednesday, talking about an extreme disciple, an extreme disciple and a radical disciple. And Jesus in his ministry, understand this, that Jesus in his ministry, he narrowed everything down. He narrowed truth down. He narrowed uh, even people to that truth. And a lot of people walked away. Matter of fact, it says in uh, John 6 that, uh, that there were some disciples who followed him no more because the truth that he preached was so extreme and so radical that they wanted a feel-good message. They wanted they were coming for the wrong reason, and Jesus always narrowed things down and narrowed people down because he really got to the crux of everything that, uh, you know, you're going to have to be extreme in following him and radical in following truth. And so we see that. Jesus said, narrow is the the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And broad is the way to destruction. There's a lot of people on that broad road. And he said, many are called, but few are chosen. So Jesus is narrowing down a lot of stuff. And it's not about the, the quantity. It's about the quality. It's about you being right with the Lord and extreme in that rightness. So a lot of people today are going to be surprised. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus hits it on the heart and on the nail, the nail on the head. When he says, in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not perform miracles? And they did do some of these things. But he says, I will profess to them, I never knew you because you didn't do the will of the Father. You got to look at the will of God through his word. These people are following emotions and feelings and a motivational speaker and all of that. But you better follow the real deal, holy field in the Lord, Jesus Christ. Brother Gary. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Jeremy, our engineer, Guy and David over in our phone counselors, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's broadcast. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note and let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. If you're interested in receiving a copy of tonight's program or any of our broadcasts, give us a call at area code 415-721-1778. 
please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.